0: John 12, reading from verse 37 through 50. Though he had done so many signs before them, Jesus, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. It's God's word. Blessed be the reading and the hearing of God's word. Now we're going to continue kind of engaging the culture here. As I've uh, talked about, we're going through the Apostles' Creed. Now, I do believe that we've got the Creed up on the screen. I'm going to ask y'all to stand. We're going to recite the Creed. We're going to do something different. Here's what I'm talking about. You, you hear me. Y'all go ahead and stand. Thank y'all. Y'all hear me say over and over again, we don't want to do this as a rote exercise. We don't want to do this like, you know, I mean, y'all been in church. I mean, you know, I believe in God. Uh, you know, all of that. Okay? Now, y'all know I, I love Ole Miss. love Ole Miss. Uh, two months from today, uh, we may be rocking or we may be like headed down. We will see, but love going to football games. And it always amazes me how like, you know, 40, 50 in, in good days, you know, people can just be rocking along to, are you ready? You know what I'm saying? You know, what? I'm, are you ready? And they just say, you know, so now indulge me. I'm not, you know, you state fans out there, no, I don't miss fans, I'm not, but like, when you say the creed, and some of y'all, we may have, look agnostics here. I'm not talking about y'all. But if, if you believe, if this we believe, then this should be like, are you ready? And you know what I'm talking about. So, I'm going to ask y'all, are you ready? But you don't respond the way we all miss fans respond, okay? Okay? I've, I've thought it in my head. And, and again, this, you may be like, this is cheesy. But, hey, indulge me, okay? I, I'm going to Honduras in a week. You know, I'm kind of fired up. I'm going to say, are you ready? I'm going to say it passionately. And then you said, Lord, yeah. Jesus is life. You know what I'm saying? There you go, okay. And Brian Journey. I'll see you back there. You're ready to go, aren't you? Okay, ready? Are you ready? Lord, yeah. Jesus is life. Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of our bodies, and the life of Everlasting, Praise God. Give yourselves a hand. Y'all can be seated. Now then, uh, thank y'all again for indulging me. Um, we're going through the Apostles' Creed, and you probably noticed each statement we hit, we underline as we say it. So today it is Christ who will come to judge the quick and the dead. They use the word quick um, as in God's going to come quickly, Jesus is going to come quickly again, and he will judge ...the living and the dead, or the quick and the dead. We use the passage out of John 12... ...and if you've been kind of following, tracking with us... ...you're seeing that every statement we're going to the book of John... ...because I believe the book of John speaks very clearly... uh, ...very cogently about these basic statements of faith. Billy Graham always said, if I had to say to any new believer... ...read one book of the Bible, read John. I, I totally agree with that. So we're looking at segments of the Gospel of John... ...for the Apostles' Creed. Now... This today is a very challenging and very controversial statement because it is about judgment. It's about judging. Who of us likes to be judged? I go to um, Barnes & Noble's a lot and read my magazines for free. I I see Kirby Boatley. I don't think he's here today. You can pick on Kirby. But he and I, and, um, you know, I look through the, uh, well, it's Christian, but, you know, they call it religious book section. And, you know, what I don't see is... um, Titles like The God Who Judges You, you know. I see The God Who Loves You. Uh, I don't see Judgment Day of the Soul. Uh, I see Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, I don't see anything about a judging. I see God is love, God is love. And I can understand that. I mean, that, that sells books, you know. Um, you know, I see, you know, your best life now, not your judging God now, or your judging life now, or your judge life. You know, nothing about we as being judged. And then we really live in a world that I mean, we don't espouse judgment. I mean, people will say, hey, don't judge me. Yeah, we judge all the time. And when we think about a, a God who, who could judge us, who is judging us, that, that, it rattles our cage. I mean, it makes us uncomfortable. And, and a lot of non-believers, and there are non-believers, you know, living in, in Metro Jackson. And I've talked to them, and, and their big hang-up is, you know, Hey, I believe in God is love. Um, really like the New Testament, this, this Old Testament, angry, wrath, judging. And I can't, can't jive with. And when you think that there's a God who judges, it just, it's, it's hard to really relate to that. It's hard to wrap our arms around it. It's hard to just love that. What I want to show you today, though, is that we, we desperately need, we desperately need a God who will judge us we desperately need a judgment day you may, you may not think so and I hope, hope to show you that that we've got to have a God who judges we look in John 12 and we use these verses so stay in John 12 but the first thing I would say tied to that and these should be on the screen is that we, all of us we must have a judgment day, there we go we must have a judgment day. I'm going to give you a couple stories to show us, show us why. But before I do that, go back to your Bible. Verse 48, Jesus clearly says the words of Christ. He says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Jesus says we are going to have a judge. We're going to be judged. Verse 46, though, a little bit up, he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. There's judgment and then Jesus is light. What if Jesus is light and a judge? And then if we don't have judgment, we're in total darkness. Total darkness. Here's what I mean. A couple stories. First is, um, is actually a play. Uh, a play written by a man named Arthur Miller. You may not know of Arthur Miller, but he married Marilyn Monroe. So that he wrote, I believe he's most famous for The Crucible. There's another play he wrote called After the Fall. After the Fall. And it's about this man uh, named Quentin. We love Quentin's here. Quentin Whitwell, if he's, if he's here today. But we love our Quentin Anyway, this guy Quentin. Quentin uh, was trying to be good his whole life. Uh, did not believe in a higher power definitely did not believe in judging or judgment. And, you know, just tried to live his life, trying to be the best person he could, trying to do the right things, get better and better. And there's a moment in the play where it says he, he realizes if he believes he does, that the bench is empty. What does that mean, the bench is empty? There's no judge. What it means is if he feels like, you know, there shouldn't be a God that judges, then, then all the good he's been trying to do, all the growth he's been trying to do is for naught. That that it really is this world of chaos. That that nothing we do matters. That if there's no judging God, then then all the works that he is he is striving for doesn't mean a flip. And it just it broke him. He said, I realize the bench was empty. And he was in darkness. It's like, tied to, the dark night, a world of chaos. Nothing matters. If we don't have a judging God, then the good we do does not matter. The the going to Honduras to build houses, heal the sick, preach the God, it doesn't matter. The bench is empty. We've got to have a judging God. The bench has to be seated. Another reason. Um... I have a good buddy, uh, one, of my, one of my close friends. He, uh, he was in naval intelligence. And um, so he's gone all over the world for the Navy or for intelligence, went, was served in Afghanistan. In the 90s, some of y'all may remember the, the war in Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia. Um, some of y'all may not remember, but Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia. If you look at a map of Italy, it's right to the right. Well, he was over there for uh, a year or two. And um, I was actually, uh, I mean, this is a whole other story I won't get into. I was backpacking through Europe before my pre-pastor days. And he was like, hey, man, he me, you need to come over to Croatia and see me. And I was like, okay, was, had a war a couple years ago. But, hey, I'll catch a ferry and uh, go over there. And so uh, I did, and uh, we rendezvoused for a couple days in Croatia. And it blew my mind some of the stories that he was telling me. Uh, it's, it's okay, I can say this now. He was actually posing as a businessman. He was in intelligence and trying to find war criminals in Croatia. And so it's the closest I've ever gotten to living vicariously through like a spy. We were going through these back alleys and streets of Croatia. He was telling me, I was like, wow, man, this is like cool. But anyway, I, I overindulged. Um, so he's telling me these, these horrible stories about cities being burned, throats being slit, Literally. And all of this had happened really in the 90s during this this war. I mean, it was ethnic cleansing. It was tribes against each other, nations against each other, pillaging cities. Fathers seeing their children get killed. Children seeing their parents get killed. Spouses seeing it. I mean, this was happening. So my question for us is, if you have to live through something like that, what do you do? How do we make sense of that? Do we respond another you know, movie like, like Braveheart? Those of y'all who see Braveheart, you know, he got his wife, he had his wife, his wife was killed. So what does Braveheart do? He goes Old Testament on a man. He, he reads it and he, you know, there you go. How do we respond as Christians? There's a, a, a man, a Christian, a theologian, his name's Miroslav Wolf, like wolf with a V. I don't agree with everything he writes, but The reason I quote him is because he lived through this war as a believer, as a Christian. And what he said is, he wrote this book called Exclusion and Embrace. It's about forgiveness. Forgiving the unthinkable when someone wrongs you and hurts you. When someone kills your child, how do you you forgive? And his main point is, we will retaliate unless there is a belief in divine judgment. I mean, I mean, humanly, in our hearts, things like that that happen, I mean, just left to our own recourse, we will respond with a sword. We will strike back. And he says the only way to stop that, the only way is to know that, that ultimately there is a divine judge, that nobody gets away, nobody gets off scot-free, and that people will stand before God and be judged story closer to home that a lot of you have probably read. A Time to Kill. You know A Time to Kill? Free Carl Lee. You know what I'm saying? And Carl Lee, all that bad stuff happened to his daughter. He became a vigilante. You know, obviously, the story goes they let him off because they empathize with What do you do? You don't tell a person like that, no violence is wrong. That, that doesn't work. You don't tell a person that's had those atrocities committed to, it's not going to make the world a better place. I mean, that, that doesn't do it. The only thing that will really do it is, is knowing and believing that there is a judge, and that, that nobody gets away with anything, and that the bad things that may be committed to you, against you, people will answer for. Something else, even closer to home, being talked about. Anybody ever been talked about? Anybody ever gossip had, you know, on them? Francis Schaeffer said, all of us wear an invisible tape recorder around our necks. And one day when we meet him, God's going to press play. He is. Think about that. Gossip, man, gossip. Gossip destroys relationships, families, churches, organizations, communities. Gossip. And when you're talked against... ...and you hear it... ...and it it seeps into your your mind... ...and your heart and your soul... ...you want to gossip back... ...you want to talk back... How, ...how do we not... ...how do we stop... ...we think about that invisible tape recorder... ...think that God's going to press play... ...we have a judge... ...we must have a judge... ...and if we live or if we think about... ...you know, God's love... ...but God's not going to judge... ...then we're really not thinking about what that means... ...that means the bench is empty... Or we're really not, we haven't had this devastating wrong done to us. We must have a judge. Secondly, we must have a judge, but we can't have a judge. We can't, we have that? We can't have a judgment day. I mean, we we can't. Here's what I'm talking about go back to the Bible, verse 37, this passage. It says, though he, Jesus, had done so many signs, he'd done so much before them, they still did not believe him. And then if you skip down to verse 42, it says, others believed him. It says, nevertheless, the authorities, people of power believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved... The glory that comes from man rather than the glory of God. Jesus kind of hints here at how we will be judged ultimately. We'll be judged two ways. By our hearts, what's in our hearts, and the word we know. Here he focuses on the hearts. Two types of people. One who, who see him and he's doing all these signs and these wonders and these miracles and yet they don't believe in him. There's something that's holding them back and it's it's the pride in their heart. It's them saying, and I'm just, I'm just not going to believe. He's, he's just not the chosen one. He's just not the Messiah. He's just not the Redeemer. And y'all, we, we have that like like here. Maybe, hopefully not in our church, but probably in our church, but definitely in the world. The people who don't come to church, I mean, I'm just not going to believe. They me call it that church stuff. Let me throw the excuse, the church is so bad. I love a God of love, but you know, can't stand the church. I'm just not going to believe. Or, you know, they could say, hey, they see acts of kindness all right, but they still just don't believe. Here, week in, week out, man, I see Jesus every Sunday. I see Jesus through the week. And some people, you may know, you just want to shake, like, man, just believe. Just believe. I mean, you know, we can see Jesus, I can see Jesus, why can't you? And they just don't. What is it? that that pride in their heart like I'm not going to believe. It's not going to. And then there are others who believe but they won't confess because they love the glory that comes from man rather than the glory of God. Now we really have these folks. I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about in the Bible Belt. Here's what I mean. Because believing in Jesus, you know, and I say this over over, I mean it can help you out here. You know, it can help you out in in business, politics, in relationships. Believing in Jesus helps you out. What I want to highlight is, but they don't confess. They don't confess things that are in their heart because people love me too. The glory that comes from man rather than the glory of God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about when people have sin in their hearts, when people have sin in their life, when they have a church that will love on them. They just don't confess still. They don't repent still and relationships remain separated and people don't be reconciled because they want to stand in their pride and say, I've done nothing wrong. And they just can't confess. Just can't open their heart. Just can't be humble. Just can't can't confess and repent because we, and I put myself, we love the glory that comes from man rather than the glory of God. And see, ultimately, how we're going to be judged is what's in our hearts. And I always say this, man, I give people grace because I can't see folks' heart. God can, and ultimately, God's going to judge our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, I love this story about David. When um, Samuel is coming to choose the next king, and the best and the brightest of the brothers come up, and Samuel's like, no, 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 not these. God looks at a person's heart. God judges us of what comes... ...out of our heart. Now some of you might say... And, ...and sometimes I push back on that... ...well what about our works? I mean what about the things we do? What about going to Honduras? What about all the good that we do... ...either at a church or in Jackson... ...or bringing people... ...don't, don't we at least need to be judged... By, ...by the works that we do? Rather than like what's in our heart? I mean actually there's scripture passages... Just John, um, ...John 5, 27 I think says... ...you're judged... By your works. Romans 2 6 says you're judged by your works. How can you say you're just judged by what's in your heart? I think Jesus reconciles that in a a passage I love in Matthew 7. Jesus said, A tree will be known by its fruit. That the works we do spring from our heart. A tree will be known by its fruit. Think about this the fruit on the tree, it doesn't grow the tree. You need to hear that. that's kind of a main point. The works that we do will not grow our heart. I mean, you really need to hear this. Like doing good stuff, doing good deeds. Saying like, I'm, I'm going to do and I'm going to accomplish. That's going to get me in good. That's not going to grow your heart. That's not going to heal some things that happen to us. That's not going to bring about forgiveness. It's the other way. The tree grows the fruit. And we first got to get our hearts right for there to be healthy fruit. Please don't miss that. Please, because we live in a world where it's the work we do. It's it's the heart we have. And the heart we have, when it is restored, when it's made right by an experience of the Holy Spirit, and melted, then the work we do will be eternal. And it'll be good fruit for a life, for a church, for a family. Jesus also said, Matthew 25, when you do this for the least of these, you do it for me. When we go to Honduras and we see these massively poor, broken people, flies, gnats all around their eyes, living on dirt and dust. Don't just minister to them for the work. Minister, man, let your heart be melted. Remember what Jesus said. When you do this for the least of these, you do it for me. So we're ultimately judged by our heart. And one other thing, I go back to the prodigal son. It just kind of hit me. The prodigal son, the story I love, There is the the prodigal that we know that is lost and with the pigs. And then he comes and he confesses. And the father says, I've always loved you. And there's the elder brother who's done all the works, all the works. But his heart is not right. By the end of that parable, who is lost? It's not the brother who was hanging with the pigs. It's the elder brother. We judge by our heart. We've got to get our hearts right first. And then for... All of us, and this this especially hits hits me here in this culture, Bible belt, where we know God's word, we're judged by what we know. Look at what Jesus says. This is this is interesting to me. This is fascinating to me. He says we have a judge. In verse forty eight, again he says the one who rejects me and does not mis- receive my words has a judge. Then he says the word that I have spoken will judge him. ...on the last day. That's what I mean by that. His words... ...His word will judge us. I get asked this question all the time. What about the purple pygmies living in the Pacific? You know what I'm talking about? Those on the islands who don't have a church... ...don't have a Bible. How are they going to be judged? Is it fair that they be judged? Well, Romans 2 says... ...everyone has some knowledge of the glory of God. Romans 3 says everybody's bad basically. We're judged by what we know. So those who never see a church in their life, those who never see the Bible in their life, and that is why we need to go so that everyone around the world sees a Bible. There's a church amongst every tribe and in every nation. But if they don't, everybody has some type of knowledge of God. You see the glory of God in sunsets, in the sea, in mountains. You see a baby, a newborn, Think about a baby being in a mother's way. We have a knowledge of God. We know something of God. And we know something of the golden rule. It's just, it's called our conscience. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. People know this, and that's how they'll be judged, I believe. But us here, ooh, we know. Some of us know better. Some of us know better to live how we live. I'll throw we in there too on that one. We're raised in the church. Many of us. we raised going to Sunday school. Some of y'all can recite scripture verses. We know. And that should bring a weight to us. We're judged by what we know. So I mean, as parents, I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Sometimes Lynn and I say, Jack, you know better. Logan doesn't know yet. Jack, you know better. You can say a five-year-old or ten-year-old. You know, the ten-year-old, you know better. For those of us who... Who are learning and growing in God's word? Who are raising? It, we know, and Jesus will judge us by our heart and what we know. So what that means is the point I said we can't have a judgment day. I mean we can't. I can't because I mean I, my heart there's there's bad stuff, and and I know, and yet the life I live and all we we can't have a judgment day. There's like. If, if left, there's no hope. There's no hope. I mean, deep down, if you think of it like that, what's in your heart, be real. What you know, how you live. We, we can't have a judgment day. So the good news is, I mean, when I say like good news, when you break it down like that, the good news is Jesus has already had our judgment day. Hope that's up there. Yeah, Jesus has already had our judgment day. Jesus has already had your judgment day. Jesus has already lived your judgment day. Here's what I'm talking about. Back to God's word. Verse 41. It says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory, Jesus' glory, and spoke of him. Verse 44. Jesus cries out. John puts that word, I think, intentionally explicitly. Jesus cries out because he's talking to folks who don't believe and those who do believe but can't confess. Jesus is crying out. To people he says whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. Jesus crying out I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You desperately need a judgment day but you can't have a judgment day but I'm going to take on your sin and your offense and will die your judgment day. This passage is quoting Isaiah 53 and I want to highlight that so if you you have your Bibles turn to Isaiah in in the middle of the Old Testament and I just want to Read two verses. Here's what I mean when Jesus has had our judgment day. Listen to this. Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. But He, and Isaiah is talking about our Savior, talking about Jesus. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And then all we, all of us like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I go back to this over and over again. It's the greatest story. And you see it in other stories. A highlighted dark night took on his crime. The greatest story, we can't have a judgment day. Jesus has been judged for us. Not only has he been judged, he is the judge. And we have a judge who was on the bench and stepped down and got beneath us. And as Isaiah said, he was crushed for our sins. but With his wounds, we're healed. And yet we still go astray. And yet he still comes down from the bench and gets beneath us. That's the gospel. He has lived and died our judgment day. And that's good news. And so now, if you believe in him, you have had your judgment day. If you believe in him, he's stepped in for your judgment. And it's done. It's finished. I mean, that, amen? Amen. But the even better news, even better news, if you believe in him, is that we can live between two judgments. Because that's what we're living between two. If you believe in Jesus, then you are. We are living between two judges. We've been judged. And Jesus is saying, I've taken on all your sin. You've been judged. It's wiped free. But we look to another judgment. So when I say that, we can live between two. How, what does that mean? How do we live? It's like this. We can live humbly. You're ju- every one of you has been judged already this morning. Walking in here, where you've seated greeting each other, I mean we're all ju- we judge about how our hair is, what we 're wearing, you know how we sounded, what we've done, oh you know he's sitting there they're sitting there what's going on with that relationship I mean every all of us do this process we're all ju- we all know we're being judged, we all judge we're all evaluated, Evaluated for our looks, value for our job, value for our lack of job value. You waited for our friends, for our relationships, for our... It's constant. Where we live, zip code, street. You know what I'm talking about. Living between two judgments. We can live boldly. We've been judged. We're free. Free by Christ. We can live humbly. We can confess sins, brokenness, be reconciled. And we can be willing to grow. Grow in Christ knowing that we're going to stand before Christ one day, the maker and creator of the universe, who has gotten beneath us to be our judge, we're going to stand before him. And we can do so humbly, we can do so boldly, we can do so freely. That's good news. So in terms of how we live today, thinking about God, Jesus, as a judge, he is our judge, he's been judged for us. We're washed clean. We can stand Humbly and boldly in front of our maker and say, you know, man, I did all I could. I did the best I could. You can stand with hand, head held high. That's what I I want for all of you. Some of you are just weighed down by how you're judged. I mean by people, how you're evaluated. And live free. Because Jesus has stepped in. Live humbly and confess... And live boldly, living for Him. It's good news. Good news that we can stand before the one who will come to judge the quick, the living, and the dead. We can stand with head held high. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our judge, who has been our judge... That, that word has such connotations I pray we would realize we we desperately need a judge but yet we desperately can't have a judge but Jesus has stepped down and just has been our judge already and it's by his wounds by his stepping down by his death that we are healed there are some broken people in this place they're broken people that, that look to feel good books like a chicken soup for the soul or your best life now. Dude, I pray that we would realize it has been paid for, it has been done in Christ, and we can stand and walk and go and live anew in Him. And we do live between three, two judgments. We can live freely and humbly and boldly. But it starts with our heart. I pray you and you alone, by the power of your spirit, melt hearts and in the melting of hearts, change lives and grow fruit. We pray that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to take communion as the church family, not just the Bellwether Church family. Jesus' church family. We take communion regularly here. Again, not as something uh, rote, but that everybody has an opportunity to respond, to come to the Lord's table. The Lord who has stepped beneath us and taken on our offense and our crimes and we're healed. But I pray as you come, you would not look at how you're judged by others pray you wouldn't come looking at the work you've got to do today or the work you've got to do in Honduras if you're going or the work you're planning, but you'd look inside your heart. That's where it starts. And I pray all of us, me included, just pray over and over again God, melt my heart and confess to Him and be broken. And He restores and resurrects grows fruit in your life. Won't you join me in doing that?